reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, verse 1, and verses 1, 6 to 8. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right. For soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to keep his servants and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel. I will gather others to them, besides those already gathered. Our gospel reading comes from Matthew 15, verses 10 to 28. And we've got somebody calling in. Yvette and Ray Davis. We'll have to help them. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> okay, can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me faster than this? I can hear you. Okay, all right. Uh, we're going to do the uh, gospel reading, Matthew 15, 10 to 28. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defies a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defi defiles a person. Then the disciples approached and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides to the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. 
she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The word of God, the people of God, thanks be to God. So when it comes to building and maintaining a community, the kinds of things that we're, I mean, what we're doing right now, what we did this morning on our phone call, uh, if you were a part of that, uh, making sure that we are checking on each other and making sure everybody has what they need and that everybody's doing okay, praying for one another. They take active participation and action. Uh, they take us like genuinely caring and wanting uh, the community we have to grow and thrive. God tells us that the prime directive, the first principle, the key to the map, the core guideline to understanding every other thing about scripture and about God is righteousness and justice. If you don't have those two things, if you're not paying attention to those two things, you're bound to go off track. Righteousness and justice. Righteousness, justice, two concepts. They're the foundation upon which all the rest of scripture is built. Justice and righteousness, they're the cornerstones, they're the load-bearing walls that hold up the rest of the tradition of God's people. So in the New Testament, Jesus offers his followers the twofold love command. Love God as hard as you can. With the very fabric of your being, love the Lord your God. And also, love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. Just every bit of love that you have, send it out into the world, to God and to other people. And don't hold any of it back. Let the whole universe know how much love is in your heart. It is as if God says, uh, if anyone ever tells you to do anything different, if anybody ever tells you otherwise about my, about my, the community that I'm building, about my kingdom, go ahead and keep this commitment to righteousness and justice right in the center of your life where it needs to be. Even if you think I'm the one telling you to live life in some way other than a way that centers righteousness and justice, you keep your commitment to righteousness and justice anyway to keep building a community that works for everyone. That's how important justice and righteousness are to God. Don't let the architecture that you're invested in ruin the foundation of the house you're building. If your traditions ever start to deviate from these core principles, God says, don't blame that on me. My love is open to all people and all nations now and forever. The Isaiah text that I read helps us understand how the ancient community of God drew lines around themselves to establish who was in and who was out. 
Isaiah is writing after the exile to Babylon, uh, which you, you may remember us talking about this exilic period and all of the, the stress and the chaos that went into living in such a time. It's a time of social unrest. The people are thinking again about how uh, they've included some people and excluded other people and what that means and if they should continue to carry on in certain ways or if they need to make changes. They're trying to figure out, they're discerning what it means to be a community that's faithful to God, as faithful as they possibly can be. How do you do it? What does it mean? Are there people that shouldn't be involved if we're trying to be faithful to God? Now the first verse of Isaiah 56, uh, God speaking to the people, tells them to maintain justice and that God's deliverance will be revealed. It says, people, maintain justice, God's deliverance will be revealed. Uh, now we read this text in English and so we miss the wordplay in the verse. You see in Hebrew it says, people, maintain sedek, for God's sedek is being revealed. Do you see? The word that is translated as justice is the same word that's translated as deliverance. The Hebrew word has a nuance to it that no one word in English can quite give us. And so we can easily miss these kinds of connections. God wants us to know that sedek, righteousness, deliverance, it includes not just doing what is right, but being in an ongoing state of rightness between people. All of the people that work together to protect their community. It means a commitment to making sure that while you are getting uh, what you need, that your neighbors are getting what they need. And that if you are moving on up, you're not pulling up the ladder behind you. Sedek, righteousness and deliverance. An ongoing state that exists in uh, between the people of God. When we practice loving inclusivity, when we seek out on purpose, in, with intention, when we go after people that we know have been pushed out, we are being righteous. We are making sedek. But more than that, on a grander scale, we are participating in the kingdom, in the coming reign of God's sedek, God's salvation, God's liberation, God's action on earth. We become through our sedek, the very vessels of God's sedek. Our righteousness becomes a manifestation of God's glory on earth. And God's glory on earth is here to bring all people together in peace. Do you see how, in one word, the Hebrew language is showing us the entanglement, the entangled, messy nature of human and divine action. The two go together. God's actions are liberating. 
and the actions of God's community are to set the people free. The reality about the character of God and the nature of God's love is unfortunately not always as clear in Scripture as would be helpful. But you see, the Bible is not just a record of how God has acted in history. The Bible is also a record of the ways in which human beings have responded to God's action. It is also a record of the ways in which human beings have gotten it twisted. As an example, Deuteronomy 23, 1-8 bans eunuchs, Ammonites, and Moabites. And also, people who are born out of wedlock from being a part of God's community. Now, can you imagine, you're trying to go to church, you're trying to live right, you want to give your life to the Lord, you want to go get baptized, you're ready to take communion, you feel the Lord calling you into ministry, and you come forward and the pastor says, well, I need to see your birth certificate, and I need to see your parents' marriage certificate so I can compare one to the other and uh, the pastor takes a look at those dates and sees that the numbers don't quite add up they see you were born in 71 but your parents got married in 75 or they didn't have a marriage certificate because they never did get married now that you're, now, you're still, you're still who you are, aren't you? You're still trying to live the life that God has called you to live. You want to be a pastor. You want to take communion. You want to be a Christian. You want to be included in the community. And the pastor says, well, best I can do for you is to say that you're of sacred worth. Not worth quite as much as the rest of us says the pastor. You say, well, pastor, I can't help how I was born. Pastor? Pastor wants to tell you, I mean, you can still hang out with us, I guess, especially if you're paying tithes. You can still keep coming around. And if, hey, you know what, though? You are pretty good on that keyboard, so we will be more than happy to let you play along for us. We don't mind you playing keyboard. People don't mind keeping you around as part of the community if you can tickle those keys, huh? They don't mind keeping you around as long as you're given 10% either. Wouldn't that be absurd? Wouldn't you not stand for that? But do you stand for it if the church wants to do that to other people? If the church wants to treat other people that way? Do you think that that is tzedek, righteousness, or deliverance. A, a, a favorite modern prophet 
with a crystal clear understanding of God's beloved community was Martin Luther King Jr. who wrote a letter to a Birmingham jail from a Birmingham jail uh, could have written one to it too but in this document MLK criticized the moderation of his white siblings and the ungodliness of their priorities when they put order above the humanity of their neighbors. You see, these white moderates, they didn't want to fight or take action to end discrimination. They wanted to maintain not justice, but what they called peace. They called it peace. It's easy to call something peace when you don't have to participate in any of the struggle. It's easy to call something peace when nobody's bothering you, nobody's discriminating against you, nobody's calling you out. It's easy to call it peace and ignore the violence and the chaos that your apathy might inflict on people you say you care about. But Dr. King actually taught that there were two kinds of peace, negative peace, which is merely the absence of tension, the kind of peace that you get when you silence all opposition, the kind of peace that comes when you disallow conflict versus positive peace, which comes from the presence of justice. That positive peace, that is what the book of Isaiah talks about when it commands the people of God, the community of God, to actively work to maintain Sedek justice, to make sure that everyone is getting what they need and no one is being unjustly shut out. Now, Dr. King faced criticism from people who said to him, I agree with the goal that you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action. King said uh, these people didn't see anything wrong if they could just set a timetable for another man's freedom. That's how it feels to be excluded from a community. Other people get to have a debate about what you get to do? Other people get to have a debate about how human you are? What fraction of a human you are? whether or not you get to vote, whether or not you get to sit inside. They get to tell you to be patient, to wait. They want you to have faith in what Dr. King called the myth of time, that just give us a little while longer and eventually we're gonna get things right. This is how it feels to be put on the outside when someone draws a hard line and you find yourself on the wrong side of that line. Lastly, of this response from white moderates, King wrote that shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is worse than misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance 
is a harder pill to swallow than outright rejection. Don't you hate it when somebody strings you along? You see a sitcom and there's this will they or won't they drama that drags on for too many seasons till you lose interest. Isn't it awful when somebody keeps telling you how much they want to be with you or see you and they are never gonna come and see you. They, all of the effort is on you. Have you ever had a friendship like that or a family member like that? Somebody who makes it sound like they're on your side but they're, they're just never gonna put the work in? We see the document that MLK gives us. We see in that document the effort and the pain involved in getting a community to a community to renegotiate their boundaries and how hard that is. It was also MLK that said Sunday morning worship is the most segregated hour of the week. We see how unwilling some people are to take action when they don't, no pun intended, have any skin in the game. People will tell you that they are on your side. They'll tell you they're for equality, inclusion, the end of discrimination, but they don't want to do the work that it takes to maintain setting. They don't want to actually do justice. They just hope justice happens someday. Their heart isn't truly with you. That is the lukewarm acceptance that MLK writes about. They say equality, but not now. You said equality now, they say equality someday. They say all lives matter, but some more than others. They say you're of sacred worth, but you're not allowed to handle sacred things. People like to talk and sound polite, but what I really want to know is are they helping God bring liberation to the world or not? The first verse of Isaiah hints at the enmeshed relationship between divine and human action and the rest of it, it stands as a sort of rebuke to other parts of scripture that seek to maintain a hold on exclusivity to entrance to God's kingdom. Because you see in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, it describes among the people a desire to exclude non-ethnic Jews. But when Isaiah picks up a pen and starts to write, he says, everybody everywhere, God will bring in to God's kingdom. Everybody will be brought to God's mountain. And Isaiah isn't just talking about token diversity. You see, those who have previously been excluded, like, uh, like we mentioned from Deuteronomy, uh, Moabites, Ammonites, eunuchs, all of these people, they're not just included, but fully engaged in the life of the community, fully participating in worship. Those of sacred worth, but still discriminated against or given special permanent memorials if they're unable to have children of their own to carry on their name. 
I'm saying that God is a God of reparations. God is a God of restorative justice. God is a God of paying back injustice. Even if you personally aren't the one who transgressed, God says that God will bring from every people to the holy mountain to allow for them a space to worship and pray. Not just people who see themselves as chosen, pure and clean. The story of Jesus meeting the Canaanite woman follows a lecture Jesus gives regarding how one becomes unclean. Jesus has three Canaanite women named in his own lineage, Rahab, Tamar, and Ruth, but he doesn't acknowledge this shared lineage. Not in this passage. Jesus taught that Eating foods considered unclean or breaking ritual purity laws were not necessarily what makes someone clean or unclean. To use the word that is repeated throughout the book of Isaiah, it's not about one's compliance or non-compliance to the rituals that show if you are practicing sedek, righteousness, or not in the sight of God. Jesus says if you really want to know somebody's heart, you have to see what kinds of behaviors are manifesting in their life. If someone keeps track of all of the rules and they make sure they aren't doing any of those oddly specific things that people like to pick up on as the big ones that put you in or out of a community, terribly specific things, those things that are, you know, not compatible with Christian teaching. Well, those people might be righteous in their own minds. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. It doesn't let us know if in their heart they harbor hatred, which Jesus said is to be a murderer at heart. It doesn't tell us if they look at other people as objects to be used for their own desires and gratification, which Jesus says is to be filled with lust and an adulterer and a cheater at heart. It doesn't tell us if they are full of envy to the point where they're just trying to keep up with the Joneses, but they can't even be happy to see anything good happen to anybody else, like they're a thief at heart. It doesn't tell us if they go around spreading rumors and conspiracy theories online, bearing false witness and being a slanderer at heart. To be perfectly honest, there are many people that think if they are straight, if they don't have an abortion, and God loves them, nobody else. But down in their hearts, they're just rotten devils. Well, how can that be, pastor? I'm straight, ain't I? Yeah, you're a straight devil. If you're straight, but in your heart you're against the rights and the protections and the equality of gay people, these passages in Matthew tell me that you are the one that's corrupt. You are the one that's not taking Isaiah 56.1 seriously when it says maintain justice. Put in the work. 
the job. Bring God's reign to earth. This kind of teaching, the Bible tells us, was not received well by religious people that heard Jesus giving it. Jesus didn't necessarily make too many fans or friends with this teaching, especially not the Pharisees who had invested a lot into the architecture of religious rituals and rules, but have deviated in some cases from the foundation. They had instituted traditions like hand washing, which were not stipulated by the Torah, but still carried heavy weight. So the words of Jesus and the passage from Matthew says, not washing your hands before you eat doesn't make you unclean. Now, of course, Jesus is referring to internal spiritual matters. Please wash your hands before you eat, especially during a pandemic. Make sure that you wash your hands. But don't expect washing your hands to make you a better person than someone without running water. Do you see what Jesus gets at here about notions of purity and cleanliness and who is in and out and who's right and wrong and who is most faithful and holy and who isn't? He's saying it doesn't always work the way that you have been taught to think that it works. The words of Jesus elsewhere will wish that people were as concerned about having clean hearts as they are about having clean hands. The full passage taken together lets us know that when looking to discern who's in and who's out, we can't get hung up on sociological distractions, titles, labels we give to each other, like race, ethnicity, gender, disability, sexual orientation, any other classification system you can come up with or imagine that we want to use to rank people, understand people, divide people. Jesus says these are outside things, physical and cultural concerns, and these are not the things that defile a person. But it is the intentions of their hearts, the impact they have on their community, especially on those put into classifications that leave them impoverished and vulnerable. Just like the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus. She had to keep crying out for God's tzedek. She had to keep crying out for God's deliverance, for God's salvation, for God's action in her life because the people of God weren't hearing her cry. The people of God weren't practicing Sedek. And so she took it upon herself to not leave them alone to the point that the, the disciples had to ask Jesus to send her away because she wouldn't stop shouting at them. They tried to ignore her, tried to ignore her needs. They didn't think that she was a part of their community. And so they asked Jesus to send her away. But she 
persisted. Nevertheless, she persisted. And Jesus rewards her faith by granting her the deliverance that she seeks. But only after this Canaanite woman corrects Jesus. The Canaanite woman reminds us that Jesus, in carrying out God's mission, needed to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. As a woman, she already knows that if you really want to get everything done that you have to get done, you've got to learn how to feed your kids and to feed your dogs at the same time. To be successful in a world that doesn't want you to succeed and is just waiting to see you fail, you have got to learn to be flexible. You have got to learn to multitask if you want to make it. When you go to get your blessing, you gotta expect for them to ignore you at first. You might have to shout and you might have to show that you're not gonna give up the first time someone tries to brush you off. You have to be ready with a God-given comeback that even Jesus won't be able to slip. You can't let anybody convince you that you aren't worth the blessings and the love of God in your life. You can't let anybody convince you that you aren't worth full inclusion and participation in God's community. This was a woman who understood the nature of God's character and God's love perfectly well. This was someone who took the yes of God so seriously that she rejected the no of Jesus. Because when she asked Jesus for a healing, he said, I didn't come here for you. And she said, am I not in the house at least? If Jesus had the love and the humility to recognize his own privilege and take the right action in response to being called out, then who are you not to? Who are you to not maintain Sedek? The passages from Isaiah and Matthew today, they let us know that the boundaries we as people are tempted to put up around the community of God need to be radically expanded until nobody is left out, not one single person left out in the cold. As we take action to feed the hungry and heal the sick, as we take action to go out and seek the misfits and the outcasts and all of those who have been told they don't belong, all of those who have been outed, we are living in Sedek, righteousness. We are taking action, the, the action of living in this righteousness reveals the Sedek of God. God's action in delivering us and our neighbors and all creation. It is the deliverance that comes when you are a part of a living community that is an incarnate part of the living God that is actively transforming the earth with the power of love. And when you tap into that love, you'll find a confidence that cannot be overcome. You will find a love that embraces 
every single person you meet, no matter how they meet you. You will find a love like that brother who, who, who prayed for me on Saturday afternoon. He wasn't, re he wasn't ready for any social distancing. He wasn't ready to not put his face on the ground. He said, in the name of Jesus, be blessed. He was moving in love. Next time, I hope he moves in love from a little farther away. But I'm glad he moved in love. How can you move in love today? How can you, uh, as a part of this community, as a member of this faith community, help teach others to maintain justice as Isaiah calls us to do? How can we call people from all nations to God's holy mountain so that we can worship together in spirit and in truth? Who do we need to go after to bring inside our circle? Who has been left out in the cold? As we enter a time of prayer and reflection today, I invite you to open your heart up to the Spirit of God and ask, who might God be using you to reach out to, to extend an invitation to God's house, to God's table where there is room for all. Let us pray. Gracious God, open our hearts and our minds to imagine the, the great depth of your endless love. God, we pray for the spirit of heaviness and depression that can fall so so strongly on anyone from time to time. Lord, we pray for all, uh, all of our families as we continue to experience losses, as we uh, see our loved ones go to the hospital for different reasons. We ask that your spirit is with them. And to those that move from life into eternity, we ask for uh, comfort and peace to those of us who are left behind and the faith to believe that closing our eyes in this life is to open them to your enduring and eternal presence. Lord, we pray for those who do not know how to get the help that they need, that you will use us as instruments of your peace in their lives, and that you will fill them with your wisdom. We pray for the numerous members of our community uh, suffering shingles and other ailments. We pray for all of our loved ones that we haven't been able to see due to the dangers of the pandemic. We pray for those who, that, that you will wrap your loving spirit around them even if we haven't been able to hug them. God, we pray for all those that are now in caregiving roles, that you give them the strength that is needed to carry out their, their duties and responsibilities, that, that you give them the rest that is needed to carry on. Lord, we pray for uh, those with upcoming surgeries, members of our community, wherever they may be in the country, uh, including my brother-in-law, Lord, we pray for the peace uh, to, to make it to the expected surgery dates. And God, uh, we 
pray that you bless the hands of doctors and surgeons, make them keen, let them be gifted to bring about swift healing, God, because we know that to be in right relationship with each other, to be in right relationship with you, is sedek. It is good, it is right and righteous, it is deliverance, and God, it is your salvation breaking forth in this world. And with all of these things in our hearts and our minds, we say amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your participation today, for being a part of God's community. We are going to keep on doing what we're doing. Yesterday we had a great time with Euclid as we were uh, <laughs> just showing love to anybody who drove by the church. It's a great, great time. People are friendly. Almost everybody waves if you wave at them. People want to know who we are. They want to know what we're doing. Because when you are a light in a dark world, it gets people's attention. When you are uh, an embodiment of love and self-giving in a world that has accustomed people to greediness and taking, that gets people's attention. And they want to be a part of that. Love and a, a, a spirit full of life draws people's attention. Uh, and I hope that God will put on your hearts just exactly how and when and where and why you can be a part of that um, in whatever creative way God puts on your heart. We have, um, we have shared our Tithely link. Chester has shared it with us. My brother Aaron Stone is, was here with us and I didn't even know. Hey, my brother. Uh, he's, he, that's somebody who grew up with me, y'all. Uh, he's a good guy. Odd perspective. We, we, <laughs> we, we had a long, we had a, like a five hour talk the other day. It's, that's something that's so important in our, in our like current cultural environment. You can't be afraid to talk to people who might view things differently than you do. Uh, right. We have to find a way as a country and the church has to find a way as, as a community to be in communion with each other, even if we don't always agree. Uh, otherwise, hate, the forces of hatred and darkness and division are going to keep pulling us apart, and that will so, so weaken us uh, in our ability to bring Zedek. It could be no good. Thank you all again. Chester, thank you for posting our Tithely link. If you want to support us financially, we're, we're going to take takes resources to carry out the mission, but we won't be stopping anytime soon. Uh, I'll keep praying for you. Please keep praying for me, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. See you, Patrick. See ya. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.